right. All right, awesome. So in case you're wonder, wondering, those videos really are live. So that hasn't been pre-recorded. That, that was just happening. And uh, we do those not just to, you know, um, have someone brag, but really to show that, hey, there are people here who are serving. There's opportunities to serve and to make a difference within our community. And Ozzy is one of those who's done that. I mean, faithful uh, brother, I've seen him at work. I mean, he's not, he wasn't doing it for pay or anything. I mean, he was here when we were, when we had two services, he would stay for both services and then stay afterwards and clean. And it's not, you know, wearing a, a billboard on his back, you know, saying, hey, look at me, I'm serving. No, this was really out of his heart and his devotion to the Lord. And uh, I think that's an honorable thing. Amen. But also, you know, many of you serve. And often when you serve, you're behind the scenes. You don't get, you know, uh, you know the recognition sometimes. And so I, would, I was wondering this morning if you could do me a favor, if all of us could just thank those who serve, whether it's children's, the tech, wherever, the doors, just thank them. It's a, a wonderful thing. Now, uh, to the message this morning, I will be reading from the book of Philippians. Got a few things in my hands. I'm going to find a place here, right here. Are we good? Philippians, and we'll look at the second chapter. And in the I Will Be series, today I will be speaking about I Will Be the Difference. The Difference. How many of you know that as God's people, we are called to be different? And often when you think about being different, you think about your uniqueness, your own special flavor, special sauce, whatever you want to call it. The uniqueness that you bring, that God has made you to be, that which you bring to the table for his service. And we're going to talk about that, but in a different kind of way. Uh, because I think there's a way that we get to our uniqueness. When we make our uniqueness the main thing, then we're out of place. But when we seek to blend our uniqueness in with the community, then it can be a powerful thing. And so we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians uh, to the church at Philippi in the second chapter. And I will begin reading as follows. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, 
which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Doesn't that make preaching easy? <laughs> Just let the word of God speak. Join me and let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you that you have given us the gift of your word, that it is living, it is active, it is powerful and able to transform us to be more like you. Holy Spirit, have your way. I pray that you would enlighten our hearts, make us aware of what you're doing in our lives, in the lives of our brothers and sisters, and may we respond with hearts of servants, saying, not my will, but your will be done. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. So we've got a, it was a great passage here. And, you know, growing up, I was an avid hip-hop fan. And this particular magazine that I would read, they would have what they would call the hip-hop quotables. And the hip-hop quotables would be lines that were just like, oh, those were some tight lyrics. You know, you just... You have to rewind it to listen to it again, and you're just like, oh, yeah, that was good. Some of you might be thinking, can you understand that stuff? <laughs> but, but really, you can, and there's some good lyrics to it. But I want to start this morning with a few quotables, not hip-hop quotables, but quotables from our previous sermons. And the first one is from an MC by the name of Doug Kempton, you know, but <laughs> Dougie Fresh, no. Um, <laughs> He, in his, in his message, he kicked the series off by making this point that we have been saved to serve. We have been saved to serve. And his point was this, that a part service is rooted in our worship. When we are worshipers of the true and living God, our hearts are postured in such a way that is whatever you want, Lord, I'm here at your service. Our second quotable is uh, MC Shu. And in his message, he said these words. He said, in man's system, servanthood is about reducing the person, while in God's system, it is about enlarging us. One more time. In man's system, servanthood is about reducing the person, 
while in God's system, it's about enlarging us. And you know, when you talk about servanthood and being a servant, I don't know about you, but for me, it gets, sometimes it gets a little difficult because when you use the word servant or you use the word slave, for me, my mind goes to a dehumanizing system that says, you're nothing but a low life. Get on your knees and wash my toes, whatever you would say, you know, but something that's very dehumanizing. And often, if you look at history, people who have lifted themselves up to be gods in society often have done so um, at the sake of the dignity of others. In order to lift themselves up, they push others down. But this we do not see in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. And as our king, he sets the pace and he sets the tone for how we are to live. And you can see scripture is against dehumanization when you look at one of the main narratives of the Old Testament, when you see uh, Pharaoh. Pharaoh was supposed to be in the image of God, but he had enslaved God's people and it was very dehumanizing, took advantage of them, made them suffer. And that is not the kind of suffering that our king calls us to, one that belittles us and one that dehumanizes us. See, earthly kings are all about themselves. But when you know the character of the king and the God that we serve, you know that anything that he asks you to do is going to be for your good, no matter how you feel about it at the time. <laughs> but it is for your good. He is a God who loves us and who cares for us, and ultimately he is about enlarging us, enlarging our capacity to be more of who he wants us to be. Now, there are a few things in this passage I want to highlight. Talking about, I will be the difference. Here, Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Now, I know we're talking about being different, but Paul says, hey, I want you to be of the same mind. And I want you to be of the same love. I want you to be unified in this. And he says, on full accord. And the picture of this is harmonious, harmonious music. Now, this is Motown, and I know, you know, y'all know about the doo-wop groups, and you know about the temptations, those brothers who can harmonize. And, but have you ever been around someone, maybe you're sitting close enough to me, and you could hear somebody singing off key? You know, now, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. The Lord said, make a joyful noise. So whatever noise you're going to make, <laughs> go ahead and make it. But you can tell when somebody's off key. And Paul says, as the church, I want you to be unified. I want you to be unified. I want you to be of the same mind, and I want you to be rooted in the same kind of love. And he goes on to say this. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. See, the key to unity is humility. The key to unity is humility. 
He says, don't do anything from selfish, selfish ambition or conceit. When you talk about selfish ambition, these are motives to elevate yourself. Conceit means to be full of yourself. Have any of you ever been there? Full of yourself? And some of us might still be there, me included. But God is faithful to lead us into places where he will gently deal with that. But Paul says, don't be full of yourself. And number one, if you're full of yourself, then you can't be full of the Spirit. And so we need to empty ourselves so that we could have more of God. In the song, one of the songs that we sing, we talk about a downpour. Father, we want more. And the way to get more, the way to receive more is as John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he might increase. That's the secret, is humility. Now, I, I have something here that I want to show you. It's a shape here, and um, I think it's important because it talks about the word and the work. I don't know if the, yeah, here we go. All right, so at the top of that triangle there, you see the word. And what do I mean by the word? In the word, God tells us who he is, tells us what he wants us to do. And then here, we have the work, which is the mission. God calls us by his word, and he sends us on mission. And as a community, and even as individuals, we are on mission. We're submitted to the word, and we are going to do the work or we are doing the work, amen? But the next one talks about another angle that I think this passage that Paul wrote on is, is hitting on, and it's the way. We have the word, the way, and the work. Many times as believers, we are concerned about the work, the word, and we're concerned about the work, but we often don't pay careful attention to the way. What do I mean by this? When Jesus came, he just didn't do whatever he felt like. He did things in a particular way. Let me put it in a different way. Have you ever been in a conversation uh, with someone, maybe a spouse, significant other, or someone in a, a close relationship, and it's a heated argument, and you say something? And then later you all come back and you're talking about it. And the other person says, it wasn't just what you said. It was the way you said it, right? And oftentimes we can be guilty of doing the right thing the wrong way. And so what's important as we talk about being on mission together the mission of God, oh yeah, I got something to do. God called me to do something. Yeah, he's got a work for me to do. I'm just gonna go do it. And you'll go out there whacking everybody, beating everybody up and because you're not taking time to look at the way in which Jesus did it. The way in which he did it. And when you talk about the way, this is where transformation takes place, is in the way. Um, I want to love people in the way that Jesus loves people. And so Paul says, he says, look, don't do anything from selfish ambition or from a position 
of being full of yourself. Because when you do that, you're making yourself the center of everything. And he says, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That's the way in which we could be different. This is what our culture needs. People who know how to recognize the significance of others. Being able to say, oh, wait a minute. I know who you are. See, it's one thing to know your identity. It's a freeing thing to know your identity in Christ. But I think it's even a better thing to not only know your identity, but know who others are, to know their identity. Now, what do I mean by this? See, when you only know your identity and you're centered only in your identity and who you are, you're enamored with the gifts that God has given you. It's, it's all about you. It's inward focused. But when you, get to re- when you begin to recognize, wait a minute, they're made in the image and likeness of God too. And maybe they don't know it, but I know it. And so I'm going to move toward them in service so that they know who they are. And if you think about it, this is what Jesus did. If you watch the way in which he did things, uh, there were people in the biblical times who, uh, if they had a skin disease such as leprosy, when they came among people who were not affected by the disease, they had to shout, unclean! unclean to alert the people that, hey, I'm coming around, so, you know, be careful, you know, watch out for me, here I am. And they took on this label of that's who they are. I'm unclean, I'm unclean. But with Jesus, he moved among people and he touched them. Think about the simple thing of a touch that restored dignity to people who are unclean. There was a a Samaritan woman who should not be talking uh, to a Jewish male because that was just crossing too many boundaries and Jesus had a conversation with her. And it restored dignity to her. Made her sit back and wonder, okay, wait, who is this? And why does he treat me in such a way as this? You see, serving others and loving others and recognizing the significance of others could help remind them of who their true identity really is. And see, this is the importance of serving. This is the importance of serving one another. It's we're taking the significance off of ourselves and we're putting it upon others, saying, oh, you are made in the image of God. And that's so different from the world's way. Because once again, if you look at people who were kind of full of themselves throughout history, or you even look at some of your own examples in your own life, you could think of times where you've misused people for your own ends. And if anybody had cause to do that, it would be Jesus. But Paul says, we need to have this mind among ourselves. In other words, we need to have this kind of attitude as a body as a community. And he goes on to tell uh, what is regarded. He quotes, some people think he's quoting a hymn because this is so beautifully written 
Uh, it's got to be a poem. It's got to be a hymn. It's got to be something. And so there's a little debate going on about scholars, but the way he writes this is so beautiful. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What does he mean by this? In all of eternity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, chilling in love. Looking at the creation that they made and then watching this creation that they made in their image and likeness turn its back on their creator. Turn its back. Part of their conferences as community, what are we gonna do? And since in their very being, their very essence is love, we gotta go get them. And so Jesus does something. He leaves his form and takes on a human form. I mean, that's mind blowing. You talk about a, a demotion <laughs> of going from one level to down to saying, you know, I'm, this is who I am from eternity, but I am going to take on human flesh and I'm going to become one of them. I mean, to the point of where he comes through a womb. I mean, the whole process of labor and all, he comes through that, God Almighty. Amazing. But he just doesn't, he didn't come through a royal bloodline. He could have said, well, if I'm, well, if I'm going to become a human being, or he could, wait, let me do that differently. If I'm going to become a human being, maybe I will find a royal bloodline. You know, he, he didn't look for the, the most famous tribe or the most lifted up people, but he came through a persecuted people, a people regarded the least of all, whose history is, oh, they were slaves and God set them free. He chooses to come through that lineage. We're talking about a God who humbled himself. See, we often think of, yeah, he, he's the king of kings, but if you pay attention to the way in which he did it, because at the beginning of his ministry, the enemy approached him in a, way, in a way and said, hey, look, if you bow down, I'll give you all of the kingdoms. He could have had it quick and easy. But he said, no, that's not the way. That's not the way of my father. But he lives in this human flesh and he moves among people and he moves among the least, the lost, and the lonely, showing them love, showing them compassion, going up to each and every one of them as if to whisper, I know who you are. And they're not able, some are recognizing him and he's saying, I'm recognizing you. And yes, it is all about Jesus, but Jesus who is love 
and skin is moving towards others with such compassion and such care that it is astounding the minds of the religious people of his day. They're blown away. And some are even asking, uh, what kind of man is this? What kind of human is this? This is not like human beings. And he was showing us what true humanity looks like. True humanity, what it really looks like and what he had in mind. And so he he didn't find his, his position as something to be held on to with the tight fist, like, no, this is who I am, and I'm not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going in the human form. No, he let it go. It says he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Now, it was something, you know, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but often I've thought about love if I was on the cross, you know, I would have, in my flesh, let me put it that way, you know, I would have been trying to get off of it like, I ain't going out like that, suckers. I ain't going, you ain't taking me out, you know? Or the old karate movies where the guy fights, you know, till the end. But Jesus humbles himself to the death of a cross. And why does Paul illustrate this? Because it's a matter of worship. You become what you behold. You become what you behold. And so it's important that we keep the proper perspective of who Jesus is. And we keep Jesus high and lifted up and exalted because if we are exalting the right Jesus, then we will become the kind of people that he's always dreamed that we should be. And so we are people on a mission, but we are doing God's work in his way. And so talking to you about serving is really talking to you about honoring your brother and sister. Recognizing, you know what? If I take one Sunday out of the month and I serve in this ministry, it's not going to kill me. What will it do for me? It'll get me close to some people who maybe I don't know. It'll give me a chance to draw close to people and find out what they're going through. Maybe God may use me to speak a word of encouragement. See, service has a way of opening you up to God's will and his plan for your life. Often we think if I just seek the high thing, when God may have a different route in mind and he may be putting opportunities in front of you. Hey, this is a good opportunity. Well, I don't even know if I like kids. Well, liking kids is important. It is. <laughs> it is. But you may be the one person to change that kid's mind. You may be the one person to make that difference. So as we prepare for communion, here's what I would like you to think about here. And I'm going to call for the ushers to hand out uh, the elements here. But as you think about this, 
God is a God who humbled himself. And he calls us to be imitators of him. And when we humble ourselves, then we find our true place of value. Because our true place of value is in valuing others the way that God has valued us. And so I'd like you to think about, just think, take time to think about and reflect on what God has done and the way in which he did it. And say, Holy Spirit, work on me. Work on me. us and we're saying, God, whatever you're doing through this time, we say yes and amen to that. And so on the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread, he blessed it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Take, eat, and do this in remembrance of me. Afterwards, he took the cup and said, this is my blood, the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let us drink together.
faithful. And, you know, we have a, a team that meets before service every Sunday praying and uh, calling out to God and saying, God, what are you doing? And so these are some of the things that were mentioned this morning. There was one person that there was a, a word about uh, something with someone's ear and something particularly with cartilage. Um, if that's you, please come. Something about lungs and cancer. And then also those needing to be comfort. Now, the position of humility is saying, I don't have it all, but recognizing that I need. And so if there's something you realize that, man, I, I need prayer. I need God to touch my life. I need to be filled. <laughs> um, I, I just need God to do something. In humility, come. And God, he always gives grace to the humble. So when you come in humility, you can't be turned away. And so I would say, don't walk out of here without coming for prayer. There will be people here waiting to pray for you. And uh, let me pray this blessing over you. Father, we thank you that we are your people and that you have loved us with an everlasting love. May we keep our eyes on Jesus to behold him in all of his beauty, glory, and majesty. I pray that we would become what we behold, that as we look at him and the way that he has loved us, that we would be motivated to love and move towards our brothers and sisters, even beyond our brothers and sisters to those who don't know you, to display your love for them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.